When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. How are you, Kieran? Obviously, I'm very cheerful because it's been raining for 40 days and 40 nights, so <laughs> I, I, I couldn't be more chipper. Well, I, imagine, I imagine Findlay's not too happy with the weather, is he? Oh, he, he loves he loves the rain. He doesn't like going out for a wee, but you take him out for a walk oh. and he's fine. Yeah, he, he, won't, he won't go out voluntarily, but... Yeah, once he's once once we're down the woods and he's out chasing deer and squirrels and God knows what else, uh, he's perfectly happy. Well, you've got deer now, have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've, we've had deer for a long time, but we, he just have you? He, he he looks at me when we when we see one. He looks at me and I look at him and I say, "Well, yeah, it's over to you now, mate." And he sort of half-heartedly trots towards them and they <laughs> run away. And he comes scampering back to me for a. For a piece of sausage, as if he sort of done it to protect me. What do you mean? It's over to you. You think it's like a, a Robin Hood movie that he's <laughs> going to go and savage a massive great big stag and bring it back for some stag ceviche? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be venison ceviche. Um, Harker, us wittering on Kieran. It's, it's it's almost like we ha- haven't been chosen by Radio Times as the hottest one of the hottest new pods of the year. <laughs> Yes. Which we're very, oh, we're very, oh, very, we're very, very, very proud and very honoured uh, to be uh, Radio Times' sports podcast of the year. But I think it says something for the demographic of the Radio Times readership, Kieran, that we're we're not even the oldest of the hottest new stars <laughs> of the of the ten other pods in different categories. Four of them are hosted by people older than we are, which I found slightly disappointing. Uh, anyway, let's get on and. Um, Prove to our readers why we are Radio Times pick of the pods, pod pickers, uh, <laughs> and that's one. That's one for the demographic. We were away when it started, Kieran. So let's have a little look at the Women's World Cup at the start of this episode. How is the money side of things panning out? It says here we've we've seen some teams like Jamaica, for example, competing well but with virtually no money behind them, which they made public before they come. But how is it, how's it pan out? Clearly, from the look of things, the football's been great and the crowds have been huge. Yes, I think, I think there are some positives. Uh, first of all, you know, we, we give FIFA a bit of stick now and then, but the, the prize money is, is triple of the, the last Women's World Cup. So there's $150 million in total 
going going out to the individual participating nations. Now that's about a third of the men's, and and Gianni Infantino has said his sort of his long term objective is to uh, narrow the gap and, and ideally eliminate it altogether, which which is uh, mm. which is laudable. Um, but as, as you sort of hinted, there seems to be some issues with regards to the distribution of money to players. So the uh, the Nigeria coach has said, I think he's not been paid for seven months. Some of the players haven't been paid for a long period of time. We've got the, the Lionesses put out on social media uh, a fairly robust uh, whinge, or not whinge, you know, justifiable complaint about the uh, the the allocation of bonuses for this competition. They said that mm. last year when, when England were hosting the competition, there were issues to do with bonuses and their relationship with the FA. So I think it blindsided the FA when they, they put out a, a collective uh, concern about nothing's been finalised as yet. Uh, FIFA have said that the money is going directly to the players or has to be evidence that it's gone directly to the players if it goes to the individual football associations. And, and this is something which, is, which has always concerned me because this has been an issue with some of the, the, the men's World Cups historically that individual football associations um, are not run with particularly uh, a great commitment to transparency and good governance principles. And, and whilst that's that's not an issue as far as the Football Association is concerned, um, they've had 12 months to address the concerns of the players. Uh, there's no doubt that the profile of the women's game is much higher. Uh, anybody that watched uh, the match the other day and uh, Lauren James's absolutely amazing performance, uh, you know, was was. You start to do things which which you enjoy doing, such as shouting at televisions. You know, what 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 other program has you shouting at the screen in the way that football does? But and, and that was that was great. Um, but the players clearly feel that, uh, and it's not just England players that they're not necessarily being treated particularly well by their football associations. But yeah, crowds looking good. Uh, certainly, the the viewing figures in Australia have been uh, very high. I think they have. Uh, I think around about five million watching the uh, mm. uh, the, the Matildas, uh, and they were yeah they they could have spent their time crying uh, watching the cricket if they'd so chosen. <laughs> um, but uh, so, so fair so fair play to the uh, fair play to the fans there. Um, so yeah, lots lots of positives. It it seems a pretty good competition. There's a few upsets. I think the, the, the Germany Colombia match. You know what you want yeah. is ninety fifth minutes winners. You know that that gets everybody excited. Um, and the level of uh, level of play being good, and uh, the level of excitement from from watching it as a as a as a fan's been good as well. Yeah, the, the USA nearly going out to yeah. Portugal, hitting hitting the post in the last seconds. Uh, I'll tell you what other uh, gets me shouting at the TV, Kieran. Only connect that gets me shouting at the TV. <laughs> Basically, shouting what what or get on with it. Basically, interesting that the. the Lionesses' bonus complaints, I thought they handled that very well because the FA will be <laughs> worried now because basically what the Lionesses have said is we'll deal with this when this tournament is over. Yes. But they've they've let the FA know in no uncertain terms that once they've fulfilled their professional obligations, they want to know why this is happening. You mentioned the uh, TV figures, Kieran. The TV deal was obviously a big topic ahead of the tournament. It's probably too early to tell how successful it's been here in terms of numbers, is it? I, I think so. I mean, 
the first couple of matches were were, were okay. I, th- I think the the match against China will probably be slightly better as England progress through the tournament. I think the numbers will uh, increase exponentially because uh, we, we've got the start of the the men's season as well. People are getting their getting their football adrenaline back, and uh, it's always good to get behind the flag. Yeah, and I think the kickoff times will be slightly later, won't they, for the knockout mm. game? So that will help if you're in figures wise. Um, well, that's good. It's been an exciting tournament. Uh, hopefully, the Lionesses can go further. A couple of things to catch up with, Kieran, from when we were away. We were only away for a couple of weeks, but a lot of things happened. We can't catch up with them all. But there's quite a few clubs we're going to be mentioning in the next 40, 50 minutes or so that have been on our mentioned too often list. Mm. In, in the past year, but hopefully one of them, Charlton Athletic, we might be mentioning for a while. Well, yes, um, a deal has gone through. So Thomas Sangard, of whom um, Charlton fans had big hopes, and uh, we had big hopes as well yeah. until we, we booked him to come on the show twice. On both occasions, he didn't bother to turn up, which I think is a bit unprofessional. Uh, but but he, is, he, he did sort of see himself as a, a rock and roll individual, and I guess he thought that that was rock and roll. Um, so, well, K- Kieran, more for him because rock and roll or not, he'll have been flicking through radio times this week. That's thinking, right. oh, there's a there's a PR boat I missed there. He'll be thinking as he strums his guitar while he's <laughs> flicking through radio times, which is quite difficult to do. Yes. Um, so. The club has been sold. Uh, I think it is the uh, it's the football club has been sold. I don't think the the stadium's gone as well. That's that's a separate ongoing issue to a company called SE Seven Partners, and it, yeah. it very is uh, much a case of of partners now. Front of house, uh, a bit like Fred in First Dates, is our very good friend Charlie Methven, um, mm. and he has said he's he's bought between. I think five to seven percent of the club. And he says that's a lot of money for me, but also implying that uh, there are some other partners involved in the acquisition, many from the states, um, who are seriously wealthy. Are you trying to get the uh, the fans on side? Certainly, the noises I've had from Charlton fans to date have been positives in the sense that they seem to think that. Uh, the the new owners are trying to put football people in football positions, which is to be welcomed. Um, my my only concern is, and we this will come round to this when we're looking at one of the other stories, is that if you have a handful of investors trying to get them all pointing in the same direction, especially when it comes to issues such as putting in additional funding for a club can become more complex. And you've had that experience yourself at Palace when yeah. you, know, you can have too many cooks for the broth. You know, I've stated from you know, day one from a net when we first met that in my view that the best form of ownership is benevolent dictator because you've got one person making the decisions in the interests of the club as a whole. But trying to find that person, is, is it can be very challenging. Um, so... Things appear to be positive. Um, I've been in contact with our friends at the Charlton Dossier, um, and they've sent me um, their their updated dossier on the oh. uh, on the owners. Um, and uh, all, all I say was that the 
the uh, the file was eight meg. Yeah, we're we're talking a big and beefy one. Um, and boy, I, I, yeah, I'm. We're both from South South London, aren't we, Kevin? Mm. Originally, uh, and you and you still, of course, and um, the the amount of work that they have gone into in terms of everybody connected with the takeover is is forensic and in, ridiculously detailed. I'm just going to make sure I don't cross them because huh. you know. <laughs> I don't want the Kieran Maguire dossier produced by these people. We've, we've, we've all got skeletons. And I know mine, mine are investigated by these guys. Boy, they, they've got everything. And uh, what, what we've said between us, you know, in, in the spirit of uh, wanting all the best for Charlton, and uh, you know, they, they said, you know, we're, we're going to give these guys the benefit of the doubt. And again, fair play to Charlie Methven. He's met up with them. He's had a long conversation with them um, as well um, that uh, they – they they seem to think that uh, things have a turned round and and they're looking forward to the future, which which they haven't been able to do for a long period of time. That is good. If Charlie Methens met the Charlton dossier people, then I imagine we won't be hearing much from Charlie for the next year or so, which is probably good. It hasn't got quite the same dramatic effect, has it? In the old days, you would actually have a a huge dossier yes. that weighed about half a stone. You you drop it on the desk and you go look at that. And now you're going at eight meg, and it's kind of for, for dramatic effect, <laughs> not the same impact. Um, just a couple of things off the back of that. You mentioned the, the Palace ownership thing. Um, we've been asked by Palace fans to look into that in more detail, so yep. we will do that in the next couple of weeks. But very interestingly, that um, Texter gave an interview, very extensive interview to The Athletic, in which he said that he really regretted not buying Palace mm. outright. He said at the time he was trying to raise the money to buy Benfica as well, hence the name of the company, Eagles Holdings. But he ended up with 40%. And he, it was a very amicable interview in which he spoke quite highly of Steve Parrish, but did say he couldn't understand why he owned 40% of the football club that seemed to have zero influence in the running of the football club, which is um, something mm. we will look at properly, Kieran. It, it's, it's starting to reach that stage where it, it was funny six months ago, but us, us Palace fans are starting to get worried about it a little bit. Secondly, Fred from First Dates is the coolest bloke I've ever met in my life. Oh, really? You met him? Uh, oh, oh, the, ba- the Baroness will, will want uh, to interrogate you about that. He's, she, he's on she her list. She can interrogate me. She can interrogate <laughs> me as well if she wants to. Uh, he's, whether he'd be quite as cool if he was from Croydon, I don't know. But... <laughs> But he he is seriously cool. Um, another name on our list, Kieran, that we have been speaking about too often is Reading Football Club. And there was a a rather plaintive press release from the from the club and its owners today. And I, I still, having read it several times, still don't know whether there's any good news in there to Reading fans or not. Yeah, we're recording this at uh, nine o'clock on Wednesday night, and. I'm on Radio Berkshire first thing tomorrow morning trying to right. explain it. And I suspect even after our conversation and having read it as as often as you have, and we'll read it a few times more overnight, I'm not sure I'm going to be yeah. any the wiser either. Um, so the, the, I think this is potentially on the back of, you know, we, we spoke to the, uh, the sell or die campaign uh, yeah. recently and we had them on the show. Um, I, I think it, it has slowly filtered through to the ownership that fans aren't very happy and they're going to be protesting. And I think the owner 
wants to try to save face to a certain extent by saying, look, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm taking notice. I am trying to progress uh, something. So first of all, he says, uh, I'm, I'm willing to take on uh, some investors uh, and if, if they want to put money into the club. And I'm going, well, if, if, they, if they want money in the club, surely the investors will want something in return. Otherwise, they'll end up like John Texter. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, wallet lighter, but influence no greater. Um, yeah. And then the, there was sort of a, a rambling bit about the owner saying, oh, you know, COVID. I'm going, well, yeah, yeah I'm not, not convinced about it. COVID's not as important in 2023 as it was in 2020 and 2021. And, and I appreciate things are slightly different in China um, with regard to the response of the authorities there. But that, that seemed quite lame, uh, given the supposed wealth of the owners. Um, so it, it was uh, a bit strange. And, and then he said, which, which sort of really ground my particular gears, um, where, where he says, uh, and with regards to the money owing to HMRC, the owner is going to personally yeah. ensure that, that that tax is paid. Okay, well, hold on. You... You deducted that tax because it's not, you know, PAYE tax is, is in the main. It's an employee tax paid by the employee and the employer simply collects the tax on behalf of HMRC. So it's not coming out of your pocket. What, what has happened is that you've deducted the tax from staff pay. You've deducted the tax in respect of sales, which have been vatable, and you've spent it on other things. So, you know, don't, don't try to make yourself out to be, uh, a shining night in all of this, uh, you know, and, and you know, fans aren't as dumb as we're often made out to be. So that I think that cheesed me off, and it cheesed off some of the fans as well. I thought it was a a fairly lily livered uh, press release, in the sense that Christ, you know, the season's starting this weekend. Uh, we're hearing about fan protests. What do we think will calm them down a bit? And I suspect this press release won't. Well, there are two things about it that, that rang alarm bells for me, Kieran. The fact that he, he was clearly implying that, that there are no cash flow problems, but he's just had trouble moving cash from place to place because of COVID and the current state of Chinese politics, which didn't seem to make any sense to me. In this mm. age of electronic banking, I don't see how you can't just move money from it. But also the fact that he was actually asking for a pat on the back when he said, don't worry, everyone's been paid this month. Yes. Which is like, if you, if, if, if you have to point out the fact, as soon as you say, don't worry, uh, your first thing is, why is he telling us this? Mm. It, if, if there's nothing to worry about, we just assume everyone's being paid. Uh, that, that's a little bit that worried me the most, that he said, no, everyone's been paid this month, because that kind of implies that, uh, A, we know that not everyone has been paid in the past, but B, it, that maybe they're not going to get paid again. So I, I worry that Reading, you know, Charlton are off that list temporarily or hopefully permanently, please mm. God, but Reading don't look like they're off that list uh, anytime soon. And we've got another club coming up uh, that are in a similar situation. But let's have some different news first, Kieran. You talked about fan protests. We've had some news from the Championship just in the last couple of days from several clubs in the Championship for which the fans would be delighted, I imagine. Um, and it seems that this this is one of the first bits of really positive news, especially about one club, Leeds United, that we've spoke about in a long time. Yes. Um, and I think you've got to give credit to 
Leeds United. Um, they've always been, yeah, they spent many years in the championship between what, 2003 and when they've just been promoted. And they were always the team that if you were going to have tiered pricing, when Leeds United came to town, it was an opportunity to try to extract as much money from their fans as possible. Yeah. And because they were traveling numbers, you know that they would sell out the away, the away allocation regardless. So um, they've got an agreement with Cardiff that uh, they're going to charge Cardiff £21 and Cardiff are going to charge them £21, which which is absolutely fantastic. And they, I think they've got a similar agreement with Birmingham City, not quite sure of the price. So that's good. Uh, you know, they're, they're effectively saying... Uh, don't don't fleece our fans, and we will we will respond to yours. Um, and this this has come up from one of the uh, I think it's called uh, FB Away Days uh, a Twitter feed. They've gone through every single set of ticket prices for away fans, and yeah, you know, we've we've got used in the Premier League to paying thirty pounds. Um, yeah, and it's still it's still a sizable amount of money. Let's let's be honest yeah. about that. Um, but the the Championship is starting. Uh, th- this weekend, uh, it's starting at Hillsborough on a on a Friday night. Sheffield Wednesday hosting Southampton. Now, yeah. if you're a Southampton fan, do, doing that when the match is live on TV on a Friday night, you know, hat, hat is tipped in your direction. Um, hat is not tipped in the direction of Delphon Chancery, the the owner of Sheffield Wednesday, who uh, is charging Southampton fans thirty six pounds, and this is for second tier football. And he's yeah. charging his own fans between thirty-seven and forty-eight, forty-eight yeah. pounds to see second-tier football. Um, I, I find that staggering. Um, and I know that, that you know they'll say, "Well, most fans have got season tickets and so on." Um, but even so, it does seem that uh, some people t- seem to have, uh, have, have lost touch with reality with regards to uh, the prices being expected and. I know that in other forms of entertainment, um, if, if you're trying to get tickets to see Taylor Swift or the Foo Fighters next year, um, you're, you're paying an absolute fortune, and, and then you, then you end up having to go and pay even more on the secondary sites and say, well, you know, why can't we as football clubs do similar? Because I'm not seeing Taylor Swift 23 times in a year, and if I was, I think the Baroness might be having a word with me. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. 
Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insights, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. I think she would, she would know, wouldn't she, the Baroness? Yeah, I, mean, I suspect so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, you're a plausible denier, Kieran, but I think you wouldn't get away with that 21 times a season, would you? Yeah. Where are you off to? Where are you off to tonight? You're not going to see Taylor Swift again, no, darling. Uh, the <laughs> trouble is, Kieran, Southampton fans will be there. The only yeah. we've we've discussed this before. The only way you're going to stop this uh, exploitation of fans, which is what it is, is when Sky say to the clubs, look, we're, we're not having empty away ends. It, mm. it just the product isn't as good. Part of the, we sell this product around the world on the atmosphere, on the the tension, the the fact that there's noise from all four sides of the ground. But Southampton fans will turn up and they will pay upwards of two hundred quid probably to do so in terms of travel, time off work, who knows what. And the thing is, I think sometimes we forget, Kieran, of all the financial mismanagement we talk about on this pod, uh, all the financial mismanagement that keeps us going. It's that weekly exploitation of, of genuine fans that we we sometimes forget, and that should be front and centre of everything we talk about. Because I just I thought that was shocking, Kieran. I really, I mean, the thing is, Sheffield Wednesday fans probably won't won't notice it because they'll be buoyant after their their promotion. I mean, Southampton fans are grumpy enough as it is. I mean, that's a long <laughs> journey. Yeah, that's a long journey with the hump, knowing that you've spent thirty eight quid on a on a ticket and starting a new season in a difficult league with a very difficult away game. And it's just, I, I don't understand if the Premier League, and the, the irony is, Kieran, in the Premier League, you, we're so used to the, the the amounts of money that's talked about in the Premier League that we probably wouldn't really, you'd go, all right, 40 quid for a Premier League product. That's annoying, but I'd pay it. But if, if the Premier League can sort out 30 quid tickets, cap then the rest of football should be able to do the same exactly. it should be 20 quid it should be 20 quid but no, it's just I think that's an outrageous thing they're doing there and I, I hope they have a rethink about that I really do um we've talked about the world cup Kieran uh, I, I'm fairly sure Kieran I've said this sentence at least five times already this year but producer guy informs me that this is a new a new one but it says here on the script sent to me by producer guy that UEFA have announced a new format for its competitions from 2024. How many more new formats are we going to have, Kieran, before 2024? I'm really looking forward to 2024 now, just so I can work out how well all these new formats are going to work. Yeah, I, I guess this is a what you might call a finesse of the new Ooh. format. Um, Ooh. Not who's been going? Who's been, yeah, who's, who's, someone's been going to posh restaurants, haven't they? <laughs> I love the finesse. Yes, thank you very much. I love the finesse of lamb. Thank you very much. <laughs> and um, I love the stag, the stag ceviche. <laughs> it's going to go down well with that, the vegan contingent, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> um, so we've we've got coming in in twenty twenty four 
um, three times 36 clubs. So presently we have three times 32 clubs. Um, but it's not it's not just an expansion of the Champions League. It also appears to be an expansion of the Europa League and the conference as well. Um, there's going to be, and this is where it starts to get a bit strange, uh, you've got 36 clubs in each of the competitions and they are they all form a table and then they play eight matches. And the, the matches are sort of drawn in lots. So you, you get from, effectively, that you know, the clubs are seeded and you get one match against a, a top-tier team and one match against a, a middle-ranking team and so on. Um, and the way that it works is that the top eight are going to qualify for the knockout. Positions 9 to 24 are then going to have playoffs to see the winners of those playoffs will join the top eight in a knockout round of 16. And if you finish in positions 25 to 36, tough potatoes. Um, But then there seems to be sort of one subtle change. Now, I don't know whether I've misread this. I've managed to get hold of the document. It now seems that the we could have automatically from at least one league, I think possibly, I think it is going to be just from one league, where the five, the top five qualify for the Champions League. Um, now, whether that league's going to be the Bundesliga or the La Liga, or you would expect it to be the Premier League, because you know, the if you take a look at recently, we had Manchester City and Chelsea in the 2021 final, and we had Liverpool in the 2022 final, we had Manchester City in the 2023 final. So the Premier League would appear to be the best performing league. Um, then there's going to be two teams coming from the league which performed the best in the previous year. And I think there's going to be one additional team coming from you know, Bosnia or so the highest ranking FIFA League. So that, that does appear to be a slight change upon where we were. Um, then in terms of the matches themselves, because there's going to be a hell of a lot of matches. You know, there, mm. there, if you think that we've now we, we've got uh, the, the, the new format as far as the EFL matches are concerned, kicking in, I think that's from 2024, lots more matches. Um, there's going to be matches taking place practically every day of the week, um, including as far as UEFA is concerned, we're now going to have games taking place in January, which we've not had before, because mm. places such as the Bundesliga have uh, had their winter break. So the winter break's not going to apply for for Bundesliga teams, which seems a little bit strange. And it looks like there's going to be Champions League matches also taking place on a Thursday. And um, I think there's going to be one sort of exclusive week where... Champions League is going to take place on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and there'll be no Europa, Europa League matches and there'll be no Europa Conference. So I have, have seen this sort of diary, uh, which was sort of put in front of me. I went, holy moly. Yeah, that is, it, it's going to be wall-to-wall football. Um, and I guess UEFA are confident that it's going to deliver in terms of viewing figures. Uh, we've got to give this new format a try. Uh, you know, there's no point writing it off but uh there's i say an awful lot more matches and you you add to that the increased matches taking place at the world cup you add to that the uh the fifa world club championship and 
nobody's consulted the players in any of this. Yeah, well, we saw how unhappy Guardiola was at the end of the Champions League final about the amount of football his players were getting through. Yeah. Um, have the broadcasters uh, been behind this new format, Kieran, or is this UEFA assuming that the broadcasters will be happy with the new format? Well, the Champions League sells. The Champions League sells in Europe, it sells in Asia, it sells in America. You know, it's a very, very popular competition. Um, I, I think what they'd like to do, ideally, is to have some matches, you know, especially as you get further into the competition, taking place at weekends. Because uh, you know, from a, from a timetabling point of view, if you've got matches taking place at you know, 8 or 9 p.m. in Europe, then that's 2 or 3 a.m. in the Asian markets, which is going to have a negative impact upon viewing figures. Whereas if you have them taking place on, a, on weekends at you know, 2 and 4 p.m., then, then you could get even better deals in some of the international markets. So, um, yeah, the, the, the broadcasters have probably been saying we're, we're a bit fed up with the group stages. And I think most people, yeah, you know, in all probability, who the two teams that are going to go through are going to be in, in most of the groups. So, yeah, they've they've decided to uh, uh, give it some, uh, some change. Can I tell you, Kieran, the, the little tweak I would make to finesse the format of the competitions. Um, let's let's say uh, the Champions League, if you wanted to, to uh, finesse the format of the Champions League, the way I would do it would be by getting um, a big velvet bag and in that bag I would put 32 balls that have a number on them that relate to the name of the team that won the title in each of those countries. And then what would happen is you'd pull the balls out and the two teams would then play against each other and then the teams that won that would play against... In other words, Kieran, what I'm saying is you'd have a knockout tournament. Now, that's how you finesse it, and that's how you make it proper, and that's how you get people watching it. This is just get, I'm coming to the conclusion that UEFA are doing all these things, and still they're keeping Crystal Palace out of Europe deliberately. <laughs> just, 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 just gaslighting us, Kieran. Um, another team we have talked about a lot, Kieran, without... It's sort of been f- skirting round the naughty step, if you like, without ever there being too much indication that there's anything really going wrong. But that could be about to change. It's, it's Peterborough United, and there are two stories that have come out this week which are, well, one slightly more worrying than the other, but they're both interesting stories given their current financial situation. Yes, Um First of all, there was a story in The Athletic from Matt Slater, and it was Matt Slater who interviewed John Texter, which was a you know, really yep. good article, in my view. And, yeah, yeah. and yeah, we've had Matt on the show. I've spoken to Matt on many an occasion. He's a, he's a first-rate investigative journalist. Um, yeah. And the article was, could Peter, effectively, could Peterborough end up in administration? Question mark. And uh, I've had some conversations with Matt, of which the content can't go out on the show. I've also had some contact with a Peterborough United fan who is to Peterborough United what the Charlton dossier people are to, to South East London. So right. you know, somebody's done an awful lot of forensic work. Um, the reason why the question has been asked is that uh, there, there are new owners for the past few years in respect of Peterborough United Um one of those owners appears to own money to owe money to a Canadian investment fund, which has not been paid. 
Um, the Canadian Investment Fund is unhappy, so therefore the company they're connected to is unhappy. Um, I don't think there's a lot of love between all of the owners. And we've also got this separate issue that the stadium is in receivership, which is similar to administration. Yeah. So it's only sort of a minor technical difference. Uh, and the owner, you know, the, the, fr- the again, the front of house man, Darren McAntony, who is, um, he he's from the Simon Jordan School of Modesty, um, <laughs> is is saying, yeah, nothing to worry about. And I'm going, well, I, th- I think you're being a bit overly dismissive here. Um, you know, th- there is there is clearly some disputes. Um, people are not getting around the table and resolving disputes. Um, and therefore, it's going through legal process, which A, is tying up money, and B, you, you can never be too certain of the, the ultimate outcome. And, and we've had some reassuring voices. You know, that ultimately, yes, this is this is a private dispute, but all of the owners want what's best for, for Peterborough United. But when it comes to money, um, you're, so all of a sudden, you know, the, the people who have not been connected to the club for that long will actually find that given a choice between their love of money and their love of Peterborough United, I suspect they'll probably opt for the former, regardless of the implications of the club. So I don't think we are close to administration just yet, but it clearly is an unsettling position mm. for the club, the fans. Um, and I've said this before, you know, Peterborough United were more than happy to uh, go to the pans, fans with the posh bond. And I know it plays a decent yep. rate of interest, but ultimately it's an unsecured loan. And, and my concern would be that um, if it's an unsecured loan, if the club does go into administration, then you are last in the queue. And it's a long queue. Mm. Yeah, well, let's not speculate about something which may not happen, Kieran. The, the, my worry is that our previous experience shows us that when we talk about these things, they have bloody happened, which is if the, the the annoying thing. But the second issue with Peterborough United is is one I didn't know that a club was able to do this, and it involves their broadcasting rights. That's right. Clubs are allowed to um, arrange commentary on their home matches. Um, with whoever they choose, ultimately. Now, traditionally, this is where BBC local radio has excelled because, you know, I think we're, we're both old enough and been around the block enough to know that there, there is a BBC radio station for the vast majority of uh, uh, locales. And mm. uh, BBC Cambridgeshire has had the contract historically. Um there's also a separate issue that the BBC are merging many of their local radio stations. And I know quite yeah. a few journalists, and they're saying, "Well, you know, we're having to apply for our old jobs, and the jobs are being cut." And that's part of a that's part of a broader issue with regards to the, the funding of the BBC, which we yeah, have for another podcast. Um, but uh, Peterborough is saying we are going to not renew our contract with BBC Cambridgeshire. And instead, we are going to introduce Posh Plus for the audio commentary. And first reaction is, well, they say it's going to be a better service. It's going to be a more in-depth service. Um, that that could be very positive. Let's 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 give it some credibility. And then they say uh, we want five pounds a match. And I'm yeah. going, well, hold on. Let's let's just think of, about the demographic of the people who are most likely to be listening to this service. And those people are likely to be elderly. They're likely to be those people who perhaps can't afford to go to too many matches. You know, cost. Yeah, you know, we mentioned before cost of transport, 
cost of catering, cost of a ticket and so on. Um, they might be infirm or frail and listening to your local football team is is one of the things which you know, puts a smile on people's faces and you know, they engage with with what's going on. So I think to charge them a fiver a match, and I think you can get it slightly cheaper if you get a season ticket, um, is very disappointing. I, you know, I don't. I'm if if Peterborough United's finances. And remember, this is the, the side which which sold Tony to to Brentford. You know, it's done very well in the uh, in the transfer market, moving players on, and fair play to them for that. Um, you know, if they're if they're having to chase after a fiver here and a fiver there, that again does get you slightly nervous. Well, it, it does. See, my it was my understanding, Kieran, uh, and again, my, my my lack of willingness to do research uh, is playing against me here, Kieran. But it was always my understanding that the the radio commentaries formed part albeit a less important part, of the BBC broadcasting deal with clubs. And whilst I know that a lot of clubs, especially at a lower level, do have their own radio stations, I always thought you had a choice. You could either tune into your, your club radio station or you had BBC Local Radio. I didn't know you could opt out. But what I don't understand, as you say, is why would you want to opt out? We we know from experience that local radio and BBC, their coverage of their local clubs is, is very good. They've, you know, they've always got ex-player pundits. They've always got good up-and-coming commentators. It's probably more biased than Five Live would want. So it's it's not that much different to a, a, a club broadcast anyway. But you can't help but thinking you won't get the product that's as good on Posh Plus as you would on BBC Radio Cambridgeshire. And you can't, again, you can't help thinking, well, your fans... It's one thing charging the fans who can get to games money, but now you're trying to mm. find more ways of charging the fans who can't get to games money. And as you implied, the fans who can't get to games are the ones who tend to be elderly, infirm, or too young to travel anyway. So it doesn't it doesn't sit right. Again, we will we will be in touch with Peterborough. Um, we always say this, and we we always mean it. We will be in touch with Peterborough because we would love to put these questions to them to hear what they have to say. Uh, but no breath is being held, um, I would end that sentence with, uh, which is good because I was running out of breath anyway. I started that sentence without realising how long it was going to be, here, and I didn't take a deep enough breath. <laughs> um, it's it's Newsday, so we might as well uh, strike off our normal Wigan story. <laughs> it's only a matter of time, along with uh, the uh, independent regulator. It's very high on our bingo card. So this week's Wigan story, Kieran? Right, Um we had this discussion a few weeks ago with regards to the late payment of pay and where this would leave an individual from a contractual point of view. Well, it looks as if, uh, because we couldn't work out what the solution was, it looks as if a couple of Wigan players have uh, either listened to the show or have taken advice, probably from somebody who knows far more about this than we do. And they've said, because of an effective breach of contract by the club, and it seems a bit of a shame to a certain extent because we've got new owners coming in. Um, they have decided to to move elsewhere, and uh, on the back of that, that uh, they've they've effectively handed in their notice and they're going to find employment elsewhere. Um, I think some Wigan fans are disappointed, but I think that there are two sides to every coin, as we know. And from the players' point of view, was that they've had a lot of broken promises from old owners with regards to being paid on a regular basis. So let's face it, we're going to have been through quite a few sets of owners 
in recent years. Um, so therefore, why should we trust the new new owners? Because the last new owners um, were not very good at keeping to the word. And, you know, I'm, I sincerely hope and believe that the new guy, he's local lad and he's, he's going to move things forwards and, and that'll be absolutely fantastic. But yeah, players have got mouths to feed. They've got bills to pay and they've got careers where they, they want to be paid at the end of the month. You know? And it, it's a bit like the, the Reading situation. It, it, should, it should not be seen as a positive that people are being paid on time. It should be seen as a norm. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, if there are any other Wigan players listening to this or any players of any other club listening to this, for the love of God, don't take our advice on anything you do in your no. career. No, it's real. I'm paranoid enough about the responsibility we have of getting facts right without thinking that people are making career-based decisions based on something you and I half-heartedly say on a, on a Thursday. Um, yeah, I mean, this is no surprise, Kieran, and, but hopefully, as you say, it won't be happening again because new owners will be uh, sensible, financially solvent and open and honest in all their dealings. Yeah. Uh, I have got my fingers crossed. Now, Hartlepool United have delayed publishing their accounts again. And I'm guessing, Kieran, it's the word again that makes this a, a story. Yes. Um, Hartlepool uh, have moved to my irritating step. I've got a naughty step. And I've got an irritating step. Um, anybody oh. who plays plays the system the way that they have and and then, then i sort of i wrote back on that it I, I'm, I'm talking about the club it's not a club it's the club owner okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Raj, you, you, you know what you know you know what you've done you know why you're doing it um so initially and for people not familiar with legislation is that uh, the position is is that you have a financial year end and you have to publish your accounts nine months after that date um, so Hartlepool United used to have a 30th of June year end, which would have meant that they would have to publish their accounts by the 31st of March 2023. Um, they then shifted their year end uh, a couple of years ago from June to, to, from June to July, which means they've got another 30 days. Now, people say, well, it's only Hartlepool United. Well, to a Hart Hartlepool United fan, that's important. Um, so, yeah. yeah, less transparency. Um, less information. And what you can do, you can apply to Companies House and, and you can say, look, we've, we've got a couple of problems. You know, we've got new auditors. We've had a change in the accounting systems. Uh, new owners have come in, something like that. Um, and you can apply to Companies House and they will give you a three-month extension. And quite a few clubs have played this particular card including Sheffield Wednesday, who were also on my naughty step for we've, mm. something we've already discussed. Um, so, and Companies House, I, I think they, they, don't, they don't tend to kick up too much of a fuss. So that meant that Hartley Paul United had a, uh, a further three months. So their 30th of June 2022 accounts didn't have to be published until the 30th of June 2023. Uh, and then we come to my favourite section number, of Companies Act 2006. It's Section 442, which uh, is a football uh, fan, although, yeah. although Todd Bowley calls it Section 443. Um, <laughs> and this is, this is a really weird piece of legislation, and it says that if you change your year-end date by one day, 
you could have yet another three-month extension. So what Harley oh. Paul have done is that they changed their year end from the 30th of June to the 29th of June, 2022. And now we're not going to see anything until the end of September. I, I've, I've got spreadsheets which are incomplete as a result of this. But also, it's I think it's a really insidious, manipulative, seedy way to behave. It's using mm. the rules. And... Every single and people will say, "Well, hold on, you know, fo- football fans—they're always moaning about something." Um, football fans, if you buy a season ticket, you are a creditor of that football club because you have given money in good faith in advance, and you've not got anything back in return. And you've bought your season ticket in March or April to not see matches which aren't going to kick off the following season. You are therefore a creditor of that football club. And I think if the football club genuinely gave two hoots about you as a fan, they'd at least have the decency to show this is this is the state of the club's finances. Thank you very much for your money. We really appreciate it. So, yeah, poor, poor show. Uh, first of all, Ken, I found it rather chilling the way you started that by saying, Hartlepool, you know what you've done. That was I, I, that's echoes of Uncle Terry. That's that's a that's a door being knocked and somebody opening it and going, Oh my god, it's Uncle Terry, what does he want? And Uncle Terry going, You know why I'm here. If yes. it's no wonder your students are kept in line here. That's, that's all you have to do is look up, raise an eyebrow and say, You know what you've done. Two things then, Kieran. You say uh, it's a way of playing the system which almost implies that it's within the rules. and Well, it is within the rules, but why mm. would you want to play the system, if you see what I mean? What what do Hartlepool, or rather Hartlepool's owner, get out of playing the system? And secondly then, that uh, Section 442, does that mean you could constantly just keep changing the year-end date? Or are there, are there limits on that? Because it strikes me that it really is a, a way of playing the system. If you can just say... No, no, we're knocking it back. Or, uh, I mean, legally, are you allowed to just constantly change the year-end date? Um, you can do it every year and change it by one day. And right. if, if you're working in retail without wanting to go into retail, the retail industry accounting, 52 weeks approach to life, um, there is there is a legitimate reason for doing it. Um, right. You... You can't constantly get an extra three months and next three months that you never publish. You can only do it effectively once a year. Uh, right. So, okay. so that's what's done. As, as for why you'd want to do it, well, I, I just take the view, of, if you've got nothing to hide, hide nothing. Yeah. yeah that, and so, so therefore, the club has some reason. And people say, well, you know, the owner is putting the club up for sale. If the owner has put the club up for sale, then I, as a potential buyer, would want to see the 2023 accounts let alone the 2022 ones. So, you know, it, it's not Nick's, it's it's not a legitimate excuse to say that the club is in negotiation for sale and therefore we are going to delay publication because it has no impact upon the things whatsoever. You've you've got up-to-date bank accounts, you've got up-to-date management accounts, you've got up-to-date uh, f- financial systems in operation um, at all times and it's a smokescreen. And that's what I don't like. And you know, Hartley Paul have had a few ups and downs, um, yeah. uh, you know. And uh, yeah, we, we we both love Jeff Stelling. 
you know, and yeah. he's, he's he's entitled just as everybody else to, to to know exactly what's going on at the club, as do all the other fans. Yeah, see, I wouldn't. He's somebody else I wouldn't get on the wrong side of either. Oh, Jeff really? Stilling. Oh. oh yeah, he comes he comes across amiable, but there's a touch of the Roy Hodgson about him. I wouldn't I wouldn't look him directly in the eye. Um, I, I'd make sure I stirred his tea the right way. A lovely chap. You know, seriously, I'm I'm aware now that I've got a certain tone of voice that implies that he's not. He is. He's a really nice bloke, but um, I you have to get a certain steeliness to you when you've been looking after Paul Merson for ten years yes. <laughs> and trying to make trying to make sure that sorted ex footballers are ready and waiting when the cameras are going to turn to them. Um, Sheffield Wednesday are on your uh, irritating step. Mm. Uh, there's two more stories about Sheffield Wednesday, Kieran. I don't know whether they're going to. Uh, move them up the ladder or down the snake. The first one is about tickets as well. Yes. Um, a, a couple of years ago, Sheffield Wednesday announced a 10-year season ticket scheme, um, and then that was closed down. And by all accounts, it's been reopened again. And, and it's an interesting one in that you get your 10-year season ticket, but the 10 years only starts the first season in which Sheffield Wednesday are in the Premier League. Now, oh. I think it's 23 years that Sheffield Wednesday have been in the Premier League. So you are taking, uh, you know, you, you could get 30 or 40 years for this. Um, so if you've got some spare money, um, then perhaps you might be interested in it. And, um, you know, it, it's cash for the club. But then things start to get just a little bit weird. Um the price of one of these 10-year season tickets is between five and a half thousand to eight thousand pounds. So, right. you know, she- Sheffield's a good, solid working class city. Uh it Hillsborough's one of those away grounds which I love going to, and you're always made pretty welcome, you know, in the pubs around the city. Yeah, so it's a great city to visit uh, yeah. on, on a variety of levels. Um, music city. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um and then it says uh you can't you can't pay using a debit card or a credit card. Why? They expect you to pony up there with cash. And I'm going. Well, I I wouldn't. You know, and I'm, and I'm not casting any uh, any aspersions about you know the, the fine citizens of Sheffield. I wouldn't be wanting to wander around the streets of Sheffield with between five and a half grand and eight grand of cash in in my in my wallet. Um, you know, you'd have to. Uh, you have to get fifties first of all, and when was the last time you saw somebody with a fifty? Yeah, um, fair point. Uh, and uh, yeah, it just seems a bit strange. I know you can probably do you can probably do a an, an approved bank transfer, but apparently the the debit and credit card companies have said we're not willing to to accept uh, such transactions. And I think the reason for that is that if you bought uh, and yeah, my knowledge of credit card law is not as good as it used to be. When uh, I, I used to be quite hot on it when I when I worked in the insolvency profession because it was quite a big issue. But the, the rule used to be that if you bought something on a credit card and it wasn't delivered, then the credit card company was liable to pay you back. So if I was a credit card company, I'd say, well, there is a chance that Sheffield Wednesday could go into administration in three or four years' time. You know, for all we know. And that means we'd have to give refunds of, of six years' worth of season ticket. Or, in fact, we could have to give refunds of the whole thing because if Sheffield Wednesday haven't been in the Premier League, then in theory, all of the money that's owed back. So you can understand it from, from the, the card merchant point of view. 
but it does just seem a strange thing to do. Uh, but you know, God knows how much Delphon Chancery, if he's still owning the club, will be charging away fans in ten years' time. Can I just clarify this, Kieran? Um, and firstly, I'll start by saying uh, the only thing I can tell you about my credit card is that it's locked in a drawer in Bobby Numbers' office, <laughs> um, where I can't get to it. So let, let me get this straight, Kieran, because I'm confused by this story. So I could I could give tomorrow. Uh, this is obviously obviously hypothetical for so many reasons, but I could give Sheffield Wednesday eight thousand pounds tomorrow, mm-hmm. and if Sheffield Wednesday were promoted to the Premier League next year, I then have a season ticket for ten years at Sheffield Wednesday. Yep. But yeah, you get, so you get you get three seasons until your ten years kick in. Okay, right, I don't right. So okay. So, but technically, then I could be getting ten years of Premier League football for eight thousand quid. Yeah, which is, which on the face of it is is doing the maths very quickly in my head, uh, mental arithmetic wise, which is not wise. And on the face of it, that's not too bad. But on the other hand, if Sheffield Wednesday aren't in the Premier League, I've basically just given them eight thousand quid. But you've got a, if, if 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 during the rest of your lifetime, let let's say that you live for another thirty years. If, if Sheffield Wednesday do not get to the Premier League, you get to watch Sheffield Wednesday for 30 years. Because you, oh, I see. you've, you've oh, got, you've got oh, right. three tickets until right. they get promoted. Sorry, that's where that's where I'm getting confused. Sorry, I, th- I thought the idea was it, it only kicked in if they were... I got, right, no, I the, understand. The, the, count, okay. the countdown yeah. kicks in when they hit the Premier League. I see, yes, okay, okay, all right. So, the, the, you're, you're, yeah, oh, right. that, that does make sense. But you're still asking people... So, yeah, the chances are, I would guess Sheffield Wednesday more likely to be in the Premiership than, than League One next season. But you know, you're still asking people to take a big punt on where Sheffield Wednesday are playing their football hmm. in five seasons' time, aren't you? And as you say, you're hoping that the club will still be in existence. Please, of course, it will. But it's like you say, it's a lot of money to ask people to pay. You know, people, in my experience, people are struggling to pay for one season's ticket yeah. all in one yeah. lump sum. And especially if, if you say if you can't do it on your credit card, it's hard. And the second story, Kieran, is about Wednesday's new front of shirt sponsorship deal, and there seems to be some confusion about that. Yes, um, this is a uh, front of shirt deal with an organisation called A Up, uh, what I can make out, um, hmm. which which instantly takes me back to an edition of the goodies, uh, <laughs> Eggy Thump, which again uh, appealing appealing to the kids. Uh, in, in our demographic. Um, so th- this is a front of shirt deal. And I think it's worth, it looks like, it looks like it's worth £560,000. And it, th- this organisation called IUP are, appear to be controlled by an, another company called Wandisco. And Wandisco said, uh, hold on, nobody's told us that uh, right. one, of our, one of our companies... So there's a lot of confusion. Um, there's a gentleman called Dave Richards involved. And I don't know whether this is the same Dave Richards who was involved at Leicester City a few years ago. I, I genuinely don't know. Um, but, yes, the, the, the parent company seems to be unaware of what's been taking place. I believe Dave Richards is a Sheffield Wednesday fan. Um, the club has done absolutely nothing wrong. So whilst I've had a bit, a bit, a bit snippy about them on a couple of other stories... The club has entered into this in good faith, as far as they're concerned. Um, they've they've launched the shirt, 
presumably they've received some of the money, if not all of the money. Um, but where this leaves the people who are ultimately responsible for paying the money uh, appears to be a bit of a conundrum. Uh, what sort of product is AUP, Kieran? Uh, I think it's some sort of online issue. It's, it's got it's got some sort of it's got some funky design. Uh, you know, funky logos, funky logos, and Sheffield don't go together, in my opinion. Anyway, mm. and also interesting, so five hundred and sixty thousand pound. I mean, that's that's a lot. The, the numbers that we bandy around in the uh, in the Premier League, as we're about to discover, are huge compared to that. I, I would have thought for a for a, a Championship team with Sheffield Wednesday's profile that they'd be asking more than five hundred and sixty grand. No, I'd say that's actually quite a good deal. By oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, Leeds will get a decent price because Leeds. We know that Leeds will be the most popular team as far as Sky are concerned when it comes to live broadcasts. Um, but I know some clubs are on uh, a fraction of what Sheffield Wednesday will be only if that is the price for the year. Oh, that's interesting. Um, well, Sheffield Wednesday are on a fraction of what Man United have agreed um, with Adidas this week. Yes. Um, in 2015, Manchester United signed a 10-year deal with Adidas um, for what was then a, a world record, I believe, £750 million. Um, and at the time, people started doing the sums and say, Adidas have overpaid. And I, I did sort of contact one of our people in the, uh, in the sportswear apparel or athleisure market. It's another, another word of the day. Um, and they said, yeah, we, we think they're losing money on it, but it's Manchester United and you know people are prepared to overpay to be connected to Manchester United. Well, if they overpaid in 2015 at £750 million, they have now renewed for a further 10 years with a £900 million deal, um, which is kicking in in 2025 and you go yeah that is uh, an awful lot of money and and i do remember when the 750 million pound deal i I went on to uh bbc northwest telly to talk about the deal and somebody says do you think we could have a hundred pound football shirt coming along Mm. and i I scoffed and and i i think i was wrong in scoffing because the, the shirts this season for Manchester United are £80. If you want a name and a number, it's 95 And then when you move to the pitch-ready version, I think you you could be looking at the 125 quid for a shirt name and number. Jesus. Uh, and again, you, you talk to people in the industry and they say, well, you're paying an extra 30 quid for the shirt. How much of that is going in improved material? And they will say, yeah, two quid. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, people were prepared to pay it. I believe, Kieran, there's a story bubbling under about Adidas and the supply of women's kits as well, but I think we, we're going to have to look at that in a future pod because yeah. uh, it's just something that we've seen uh, on that their social media and we need to look into it a bit closer before we talk about it properly. Uh, two more stories to go, Kieran, and we pretty much started the pod by talking about people being unhappy with ticketing prices. And we're pretty much closing the pod with people being unhappy about ticket prices. And this time it's Newcastle United fans. Yes, this is an uh, announcement by Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Um, and I think they've, they've quite rightly highlighted uh, a concern. Now, 
tickets for, to see Newcastle United this season are going to be difficult to come by. So like yeah. many clubs, they've got their season tickets, they cap the number of season tickets. And, and there's a reason why clubs do that, because people say, well, yeah, if we've got huge demand, why not have, you know, 45,000, 47,000 season tickets at, at St. James's Park? It's because you make more money out of tourists. You make more money out yeah. of people that only attend once a year. Because if you think about it, you work out your season ticket price, you divide by 19, that's how much you're paying per ticket. You compare that to how much you're paying for an individual match ticket, and the difference can be quite, quite staggering. So yeah. as far as... <clears throat> The, the Newcastle situation is concerned. First of all, you have to buy a membership. And that membership gives you the right to apply. It doesn't guarantee you a ticket. It gives you the right to apply in a queue to buy a ticket. Mm. And you'll, you'll pay a few quid for that. And then, as the trust rightly said, um, but you don't know how much you're paying. You, I think you could pay up to £78 uh, for an individual ticket. You simply apply for a ticket. You're playing Bournemouth at home or Palace at home or Brighton at home or Manchester United at home. You apply for a ticket for that match, and then the club effectively allocates you the ticket and the ticket price. Hmm. So you're, you're applying blind, and I think the new Newcastle new owners have done an awful lot to, to engage with the fan base to to give you know a, a bit of uh, hope for the fan base a tremendous achievement last year in qualifying for the champions league they, they've been making some big money signings and they might be saying well you know, look, you know we, we've been spending an awful lot of money we expect you to chip in as well but first of all i think the the newcastle united owners do have the resources to do this whereas it's, it's far more difficult for individual fans but to be buying a ticket and not knowing how much you're paying is very, very strange. It'd be interesting, Kieran, as an experiment, wouldn't it, to to go back to those days when you had, not that long ago, when you still had one turnstile open on match days for cash payers, hmm. basically. It'd be interesting to see how long the queue would be at St James's Park if there was just one turnstile for cash payers, because I'm guessing that people would be getting there 48 hours beforehand to, to get in. I, I suppose... Yeah, even Newcastle fans will say they've, they've, it's a horrible way of putting it. They're victims of their own success, aren't they? I mean, this inevitably comes with any club who's who's having the best two seasons they've had for a long, long time, and it looks like that's going to continue. Um, and of course, that attracts fans that haven't been to St James's Park ever, uh, who are going to be just as unhappy about not going to be able to get in. On a, on a match day, but that's the nature of the beast, unfortunately, isn't it? I suppose, Kieran. It, it is, and uh, you go back a couple of years and you look at all of the gaps on the terraces under the Mike Ashley ownership, and yeah, you know, we, we're not here to, to slate Mike Ashley, but clearly there were there were things that could have been done which weren't done um, uh, during that particular period of ownership, um, and, and the fans became increasingly unhappy. So yeah, that they they are victims of their own success. We've always known that the St James's Park, even at fifty-two thousand, it's it's not matching the, the potential level of ticket sales. Um, I think the new owners have bought a piece of land surrounding yep. the ground, which would give the opportunity yep. to to extend that. Uh, and it's certainly a club which can easily deal with sixty thousand plus. 
you know, trouble is while they are expending it, then there are even fewer fans who can get in for that yeah. three years while they do it. I don't, I don't think Newcastle fans would mind if we were here to slag off Mike Ashley, Kieran. I think, I think they'd be quite happy if we had a five-minute free go. But we've gone over the hour, so perhaps we should get to our last story. And our last story, Kieran, is good news for football fans in the UK and Ireland. Yes, um, UK and Ireland have been granted by UEFA uh, unopposed. The, the rights to host the 2028 uh, European Championships. I've, I've just worked out how old I will be. Um, I'm trying to... I, I mean, it's a terrible thing for me to say, and this is sort of... This is where the Baroness says, I, I am strange. Um, I'm in my 60s, mm. um, but I don't know how old I am when I retire because I've never got round... I've never bothered thinking about it. And, and I speak to all of my mates to say, well, we're retiring at such and such a year. And I don't even know when my statutory retirement age is. So I may I may have retired by then. Um, well, you, you, can reti- you can retire when you want from the, the freelance. But I think you'll be kicked out before you retire, Kieran. I, I would guess they'll, they'll have to prize your cold fingers off the, the, the mantelpiece. If there is, a, is there a mantelpiece at Liverpool University? And also, mm. Kieran, let's face it, in, in Radio Times years, we're teenagers. Let's well, that's it. true. That is true. Yes. Compared to most of the people reading that article yesterday, we're you know, spring chickens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll still um, be in our 60s, Kieran. We're still in our 60s. Uh, yes, we'll be sticking in our 60s. Um, so th- this appears to be a bit of a, a quid pro quo with Italy and Turkey, because Turkey was supposed to be in the frame for 2028. But it looks as now Italy and Turkey are going to jointly apply to host the 2032 competition um and i think that's it's interesting from uefa's point of view because i think it's fair to say they weren't particularly impressed with the final in 2021 (laughs) uh you know could we go back um and uh where where the uh uh where everybody who turned up appeared to have gone bugle crazy and i'll say no more than that (laughs) Uh, and and the behavior of of many people was was embarrassing uh and you know Stewards, stewards were beyond, hurt. People, it's beyond people. embarrassing, Kieran. It was, it was shocking. It was shameful. Yeah. It, was, it was horrible. Yeah. So I, I think there will be uh, a view by the uh, by UEFA is we're going to make sure you get your house in order. Um, there'll also be questions asked as to what will happen to police. Now, we are actually interviewing Mark Roberts, who's head of policing in football, uh, in a couple of weeks. So. Uh, yeah, perhaps we can have a chat with him. And, and I met Mark uh, a few, few, few uh, weeks ago when I was talking for Interpol and uh, and a few of the the other police authorities. And, and he's 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 a very affable guy. So, be interesting to see what he thinks. A, what went wrong in twenty twenty one, and B, yeah, what's going to happen in twenty twenty eight. And and yeah, again, I, I was fortunate enough to be at the to see the Lionesses win last year. And you couldn't get a big bigger contrast in terms of yeah. two finals involving England back-to-back, in effect, it's taking place at the same stadium. Um, but it, it, it's great. It's great um, how the tournament's going to be organised in terms of will anybody get automatic qualification? Because if you've got, effectively, the home nations and the Republic of Ireland, that's an awful lot of slots which could potentially be taken up. Um, oh, of course, I've, yeah. I've not, not found out the exact details with regards to that as yet. Well, we'll wait till the decision is made, Kieran, and we'll look into the financial details in uh damn i've said details so i can't say more detail now curses um yeah i'm looking forward to talking to uh mark roberts um 
Although my wife pointed out to me, Ali, that he wasn't in charge of policing through the 80s, so perhaps best not have a go at him for all the the problems we had there. Um, I'm sorry to add to your workload, Kieran, but can I just ask you a question for our next questions pod? Yes, okay. And it's related to major tournaments, because somebody sidled up to me. uh, I worked out most people either sidle up to me or loom over me these days when it I know by the way they approach me that they've got a football finance question I can't answer and somebody said that um they'd been very interested in what you had to say about the financial costs of a tournament of a world cup especially the knock-on long-term effects of a, of, mm-hmm. of a world cup tournament and he wondered whether we could compare that to the cost of an olympics and what uh was left behind as a legacy financially when a country hosted the olympics so I said, I haven't got a fucking clue, mate, but I know somebody uh, <laughs> who might, I'll, I'll, I might ask the Baroness. I'll tell you what, if you tell the Baroness, I'll give her some inside information on, on Fred. Oh. Um, and then she might give you 10 minutes to, to do some research on this. Right. Uh, that'll work, on it? Yeah. yeah. Thank you to everyone who's donated to the pod via our Patreon page. If you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod as well, that'd be very kind of you. And you can do so by going to patreon.com slash price of football. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, email us at questions at price of football.com. And I apologize. Obviously, my question will jump right to the head of the queue for next Monday's uh, questions pod. In the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well, Thank you for all the feedback. Thank you for getting in contact. Um, and you did seem to like the Nostalgia Show, uh, although I have received um, quite a detailed e- email, somebody pointing out um, a significant number of errors in which I've made in terms of the, the Sky <laughs> deal in 1992. But that, that's that's fantastic because I can only learn from you – know, I, I, always, I always take – uh, criticism as as a positive because if I learn yeah. more, then then that's that's great. Um, but it's, I, it's I, I think it's, I think it's I, testament. Yeah, I think I can guess who sent you that email. Oh, right. I'm I, I'm not implying it was me, by the way. But obviously, no. Uh, okay, that's interesting. Yes, we're doing um, another uh, nostalgia pod soon. By the way, yeah, we are. Yes. Um, so that that's absolutely fantastic. For those of you that support us on Patreon, remember if, if you pay, I think it's three pounds a month um, uh, or more then you get the opportunity to listen to the show advert free. Um, but there's another way in which you can support the show, and that's to go onto your app and to give us a review. Uh, by all accounts, it doesn't matter what you say. So you could even say, you could even write in the review, you would rather have the show presented by Edwina Curry and the Cheeky Girls. And I've got no idea how that would potentially end up. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, that'd be an interesting one. Uh, Edrina Curry is rather rude to me once. Um, oh. Cheeky girls. The cheeky girls I met when one of them was going out with uh, your man, Lemba oh, Opic. Opic, yes. Yes, and they both turned up. and it was like he, Even he didn't seem to know which one he was going out with. Uh, no, Edwina Curry, I once, um, she did Have I Got News For You when I was a guest on it years and years and years ago. Uh, and the first thing she said to me was, uh, oh, I presume you're one of those gay lefty comics, are you? And <laughs> to this day, I still regret not saying, well, if you're the alternative, sweetheart, then yes, I am. Um, <laughs> uh, she was. Let's, let's just say she wasn't the most pleasant person I've ever met. And she wasn't at home to John Major jokes. 
Who would have thought? <laughs> Bye, everybody. Oh, before I go, I've got I've, I've I've meant to say I've got I've got a one-word teaser to drop in. I don't know what it means, but there should be some dramatic music here. Well, I say Discord. Oh, there you go, there you go. That's it. I don't know what it means, but I've said it. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's the see. That's the sort of sloppy ending that Radio Times indicates to me. They don't <laughs> listen to this pod, Kieran. <laughs> yes. Bye. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be Discord news coming up soon. Bye. The Sun for the